Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 233. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. I hope I said that right. I always question how I say his name. I'm sure it's wrong. I'm sure it's wrong, too. No, I mean... Del- Dennis Villeneuve. No, nothing against you, but... We'll also be talking about something we've been watching on the watch list, new on VOD, movie predictions, Blu-ray releases, all that fun stuff. Remember, you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. Join in on the conversation. You can also send a tweet to at filmpulse.net. So we were off last week. Correct. I had a wedding reception. Kevin, you attended. Thank you again. It was good times. It was a, it was a great time. Good times. But a lot happened last week. We missed a lot. What happened? And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention the fact that in a sh- few short weeks, we will have monsters running our country. Oh, yeah, yeah. Monsters, Kevin. Possibly literal monsters. I don't know. Some of these guys, some of these guys that are lined up, I, yeah. I really think they may be inhuman. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to yeah. talk about this for a minute. So I'm gonna put uh, it. I'm gonna put it in the time codes. So if you don't want to hear any more political chit chat, just skip ahead. It'll only take a few minutes. But I feel like I really want to just. I feel like we need to at least mention this. Okay, this is. I think it's a pretty big deal, and we need to mention it. So what did you have? You seen who Trump is appointing Dude, so far? Have, who, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. <laughs> just, not even close. We don't have enough time. I just want to quickly, I'll quickly run down this list here. So we have Mike Pompeo, who is appointed CIA director. This does not re- require any kind of Senate approval. So this guy is pretty much in. Uh, he's he's probably the most mainstream Republican pick. Um, not, not too much dirty laundry with this guy, other than the fact that he is a staunch supporter of enhanced interrogation tactics. So going to bring that back in a big way. Yeah, which, which shouldn't surprise anyone either. No, no, because Trump said previously that he was all for bringing that back, even though it clearly does not work. But hey, bring it back, make America great again. Then we have Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions. This is uh, this is this is a biggie. He's uh, been appointed Attorney General. Now again, this is with the caveat that he gets Senate approval, which he probably will. Yeah, considering it's you know a Republican majority in the Senate. He So this guy failed to become a federal judge in the 80s because of racist remarks that he said, which include calling an NAACP, uh, or the NAACP, quote, un-American. He once addressed a black attorney as a, quote, boy, and he also said that he thought the KKK was, quote, okay, until I found out they smoked pot. Yeah, but that was a joke. You know, jokes. Just just shooting the shit about the KKK. No big whoop. Just jokes. And then we also have Mike Flynn as the National Security Advisor. Uh, intelligence officials describe him as a, quote, hothead with an abusive leadership style who would threaten to purge subordinates who disagreed with him. One called him, One called him shallow and reactionary. Sounds about right. Uh, and this guy likes to get on Twitter and remind the American people that we need to fear Muslims, that that is something that we need to continue doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he seems like a pretty big D-bag, too. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, mm. got a lot of a lot of great stuff to look forward to in Trump's America. I'm pretty pretty stoked. Yeah. And of course, and it's been what how long has it been? Two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Man. Less than, yeah, yeah. And two he's weeks. fucking tweet storm about Hamilton. Oh yeah, that's uh, that was a big thing. Like and SNL. Like you're the president. Yeah. I know you 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 wouldn't think. I mean, it'd be so funny to think about Obama getting on Twitter and being like, "Hey, you guys didn't say nice things. You need to apologize." Well, well it's also just like, dude, you won. Just like you won. Just let it go. You like you can just say I'm president, regardless of what anyone says about him. Yeah, how about you just get off Twitter and allow your staff to handle your Twitter account from now on? Because this is completely unacceptable. Just let Nelson Richardson, which is funny because everyone's like, dude, you know, everyone that's like protesting and stuff, they're just oh, it's completely getting like, get over it. He won. Uh." It's like you can say the same thing to him. Like you won. Let it just. People yeah, exactly. are going to criticize you. What did you think was going to happen? Uh, there was also some news this week where he settled his Trump University uh, court battle, which is hilarious that our president-elect is dealing with a fraud case. He settled a fraud case right before he becomes president. <sighs> it's just one of these that like, none of these surprise. Yeah, I read this really interesting article today about how um, – with because he owns so many businesses and whatnot, what kind of uh, constitutional hurdles he's going to have to deal with when it comes to gifts and uh, making money from being the president and how he had a uh, hundred diplomats from different countries stay at his new Trump hotel in Washington, D.C. And he was like sh- showing them a tour and stuff like that and how this this is not it's against the law like you can't do that and he could get in trouble pretty much right off the bat because of yeah. of basically using his presidency to uh draw money from foreign leaders who's he gonna get in trouble from? i don't know well hopefully hopefully our government will see it and call <laughs> him on it no they're not gonna do anything also, he's gonna, he's gonna get away with so much shit. It's gonna be. I I hope not, but it's just, I guess I guess we'll it's see. It's just four years of us just slamming our heads to a wall. <laughs> also, this isn't a really big deal, but former Grand Wizard David Duke voiced his approval of Trump and all of the uh, people that he's appointing in his cabinet. So at, le- at least they got the KKK back in him. Yeah. So Trump gets elected. Then we lose Leonard Cohen. Then we lose Sharon Jones. Yeah, which I just found that out. What is happening here? We're, we're falling apart. We're being torn at the seams here, Kevin. Torn asunder. On a lighter note, a couple trailers came out. Thought I'd mention Ghost in the Shell, the uh, live action. Haven't seen it. Adaptation. Uh, I mean, it looks good. I there, There's a lot of kind of criticism against this film for casting Scarlett Johansson in the, in the lead role and not um, an Asian person, which I can see. But at the same time, with anime, it's it's never really clear, you know, what nationality people are. And I don't think that it's that big of a deal. She looks like the, the main character from Ghost in the Shell. And it seems like a pretty cool movie. Very visual. So I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, Beauty and the Beast got a trailer. The live action Beauty and the Beast. The one with Emma Watson. Looks absolutely horrible. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I was... I heard a little bit about the trailer, and I saw it a couple of days after it came out, and I was 
I don't know what I was expecting, but after I saw it, I'm like, this looks so bad. I don't understand how, why Disney, I mean, I guess because they're making a shitload of money from them, but I think these live action remakes or adaptations or whatever you want to call them need to end. It's out of control. There's a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of things. And today I saw a trailer for new Pirates of the End movie. Oh yeah, I saw that too. Well, and it looks so generic. It looks well, like every other one. It's like, oh my god, what is that? Like number nine? I think it's the fifth one. Fifth. I think so. Yeah. I think it is. It's got. It's the fourth or the fifth, and I'm pretty sure it's the fifth because I didn't. Yeah. It's just like, who cares? Who cares? I I saw the third one. That was the last one I saw, and I didn't like it, and I stopped watching them after that. I liked the first two, but either way, uh, Kong Skull Island got a trailer too. I didn't very, see that. I've been, I've been wanting to see Very excited about this. Directed by friend of the show, Jordan Vogt Roberts. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is an odd but, jump. But that's that's all of them. When that's you see always the, what happens. They, yeah. You know, they pull these directors and they give them these big you know, franchises or when, big when budget you, movies. When you see the trailer, though, you can you can kind of see the same style in there. Because a lot of this movie is going to be taking place in kind of the forest jungle area and just... It looks like he's going to employ a lot of the same kind of visual technique, mm. and uh, I'm all I'm all for that. I think it looks awesome. It looks funny. It takes place in the 70s, so I'm kind of so it's got this kind of Vietnam vibe to it. the The poster looks very uh, Apocalypse Now like. Mm, yeah. So mm. I'm all about it. I'm all about some Skull Island. I'm ready to take I'm ready to take me a visit to Skull Island, but first. Let's take we, a visit to where are we going? We're gonna we're gonna take a visit to some some alien spacecrafts. Oh boy! With Arrival, watch out! It's a terrible segue. Uh, so this is <laughs> written by. Well, I can't remember where because well because the movie there's Mon- we got Montana. I think most of it takes place in Montana. Yeah, but there's like several locations where these things flop down. Uh, and I'm two weeks removed, so forgive me if I forget everything about this movie. I'm fucking fresh as can be. Uh, so this is directed by De- uh, Denis Villeneuve. I have a, a synopsis here. A linguist is recruited by the military to assist in translating alien communications. This stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Michael Stuhlbarge is in there. Uh, since you're fresh on it, Kevin, and I am decidedly not, I am unfresh. Okay. With Arrival. Now, I think I know it. I, I remember enough to form an opinion do on you, it. Do you remember the movie? I do. I remember, <laughs> I remember some plot plot elements. I remember uh, some things about it. So we'll start with you. What did you think of Arrival? Um, man, this is a really... Uh, Arrival's a bit... Uh, I don't even know if uneven's really the right word for it. <clears throat> There's um, wonderful portions of Arrival that are extremely compelling and captivating and then there's other portions of arrival that are atrocious just downright terrible it's a really bizarre film in its construction really the structure of it um i think everything that really worked for me was a lot of the the linguistic stuff with amy adams i thought that was all pretty interesting Mm -hmm. especially when she's talking about you know like this is your aim this is the question that you want to pose you know, first we got to get them to understand what a question is, and then we had to get them to understand pronouns because they could confuse, you know, all that stuff that went into that. I was like, well, okay, that is, you know, it's really interesting to break down language like that, you know, down to its, you know, purest form is, you know, how things can get misconstrued 
Right. And that's kind of the hook of this movie, right? Is that we're trying to communicate with an alien species that ha- that has a language that is not even anywhere close to what we can understand or comprehend or, you know, mimic. Like we can't make the sounds that they make. And then also the fact that she decides to target their written language and go <laughs> go from that. Which I did find like kind of interesting right off the bat where she's like you know, she's you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a visual aid and they're like, What? I'm just thinking, yeah, wouldn't that be like the first thing that you would try? You think no so. one no one thought of that? Apparently not. Apparently the twelve countries that were involved in this could not think of taking a whiteboard. Well that's <laughs> the other thing too. Like, well there's a whole there's a whole lot of things that you, like I, I want to get into because there's a lot of issues that I have with this film. But of course, a lot of those things are tucked in the segments of the film that will kind of spoil what's happening here. Right. Which, yeah. to me, the bit, I, one of the main reasons probably that I, I found this so captivating was I didn't really see anything with regards to Arrival. I just knew that she was a linguist and it was alien. That's all I knew, too. I didn't know any kind of the major plot details or any of the twists nothing got spoiled for me i think i saw maybe one trailer and i mean they really he takes his time he draws it out i mean first with actually seeing the vessel draws that out and then even draws out meeting the alien and then draws that out further you know interactions which you know like as it goes on i'm like get there get there you know, I'm just kind of like, I want I want to know what's happening in a well, good way. I wasn't ever thinking like, oh, this is too drawn out. This is, can, can you speed it up? I was never thinking that. I was just, you know, I was completely hooked. Yeah, me too. Um, but when you look at this movie as a whole, it's there's not a lot there as far as, it's not a disaster movie. It's not your, it's not Independence Day. This is a movie about us, you know, these, these things suddenly appearing in the sky all around our, our world and trying to figure out, why they're there and the way that they do it is a a diplomatic way so it's not like there's tons of action or anything like that it's not you know cities aren't burning and we're having to rescue people from collapsing buildings or anything like that it's a much more kind of somber subdued type of alien movie it's it's almost like um was the one was the was the one the guy that did time crimes that movie that he, where it was oh, like... Extraterrestrial? Yeah, Extraterrestrial, where it was like... I mean, obviously this is much more about the aliens than that movie. That movie was like... The alien invasion was like a backdrop to this other story, but it's in that same vein where this is not an action movie. Yeah. You know, it's, it is very much a sci-fi movie, but I appreciated that they didn't go... You, you know, the t- there's not a lot of movies like this. Yeah, which is one part, even as, as clunky as I think it is, I'm still appreciative of that fact that it's more so the sci-fi that I want to see, the sci-fi that I'm kind of craving, more of like a cerebral take on sci-fi, except that, unfortunately, he gets hung up on a number of things that, to me, just felt completely unnecessary. I mean, a lot of it comes down to, like, the way he handled, like, news coverage in the film, like, how he would present the news coverage, and then even there's this one sequence where it's just, like, like TV screens are popping up on the screen itself. Just going through all that, it's like this is this is amateur hour. Yeah, but they, I mean, they they do that in tons and tons of movies. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's no excuse. Like you could have figured out a better way to do that. Like, like I think of you as a better director than that. You could have come up with something. 
And a lot yeah. of the information that he's kind of conveying to us, it wasn't necessarily needed. Well, especially because you have this command center that's set up with Michael Stuhlbarge. And basically what, what is happening here is that in the United States, they're communicating with all of the other countries that have these things. And they're all trying to work together to figure out what's going on. So... There's a lot of kind of communication between them and then him, Michael Stuhlbarge explaining to Forrest Whitaker and Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams what their the latest news is and all of this stuff. But then there was this kind of interesting uh, side, not side plot, but just plot point where they, and, and this is very much prob- how I would imagine it would happen, where all the other countries kind of distrust each other. They're, they're not sure if they can work together, especially with China, you know, you have these countries that are taking a more militarized approach, which I appreciated that it, that in our country we didn't immediately launch missiles at it. Well, yeah, that was the first like kind of unbelievable thing. I was like, I, I think we would kind of be uh, militaristic as well. I, I hope we wouldn't. I want to. I want to believe that we wouldn't do that if it didn't pose an immediate threat. That we would kind of at least do the diplomatic approach and try to figure out where they're coming from, what they want, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, China's, they almost screwed the pooch. China's just getting shit on left and right. Uh, what did you think of performances? So you have Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner as the uh, two leads. Amy yeah, Adams, I thought was pretty good. I, mean, I just, I, honestly, I don't think there was really too much for a, a lot of these actors to really do anything. Not a whole lot to, to. I mean, Amy Adams obviously had the most. Uh, yeah. To 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 do. But again, I think what she's what she's tasked with conveying is kind of par for the course in terms of like emotion and stuff. You know, she just be be a little bit sad in this one in this scene. Be a little confused here. Okay. Now be sad here. You know that type of thing where it's just like, yeah, that's a solid performance, serviceable. Yeah, overall with this movie, I I left enjoying it. I didn't love it. I didn't. It's not going to be one of my favorite movies of the year, but I had a good time with it. I thought it was entertaining, and like you, my favorite stuff was the linguistic stuff. Them figuring out how to communicate with these beings. Uh, I also liked the design of the what are they called? Septopods? What's the name? Heptopod. 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 Okay, yeah. Uh, I liked the design of the heptapods, how they kind of looked. Uh, well, you know what? I'm not even going to say because I don't want to spoil what they look. Because I'm pretty sure in the trailers you don't see them at all. Yeah, and I think he did a really good job of kind of, number one, not jumping into that right away. Just kind of like making you... They eased, they eased you it. into it. But even then, when he kind of introduces them, they're still kind of shrouded. Where you're like, I want a good fucking look at this thing. What is going on? But yeah, they... they the design of like the spaceship, the aliens themselves, everything was pretty, uh, pretty fantastic. And even just like some of the, like the first thing that got me was, you know, when they take the scissor lift up and he does the glow stick mm-hmm. and he throws it, and that was the yeah. first thing. I was just like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, because what you find out when they first visit the craft is that our earth's gravity doesn't apply so it's that was a really cool uh really cool addition yeah and um and he one of the main things that made me excited for this movie which i kind of forgot while i was watching it was that the cinematography is bradford young Mm -hmm. which was like the that was the first thing that got me like super excited about this movie because i was always kind of like oh arrival that looks kind of cool 
And then I found out that he shot it, and I was like, oh, shit. And there's a certain sequence when they first take the helicopter into Montana, and just the music that plays was this Johan Johansson's score, which is pretty great. Just the way that, you know, it flies in and just the shot of that, of them coming in, the music's playing, and how they kind of circle around the camp, and you get a good look at the camp. And, like, as they're coming in, you're just waiting because they're kind of taking their time. You're just waiting for the spaceship to, like, come in into the frame, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, and it doesn't. And it just, at a certain point, it was just driving me crazy where it was like, please mm-hmm. come into frame. I want to see what the fuck this is. And I just I thought some of the cinematography was great. Like, when, oh, yeah. the, when the, the helicopter comes to pick her up from the house. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, there's uh, a lot of good stuff, but he's just... There's and I want to get because this was the main thing. This was the first um, like misstep, stumble, if you will, that I thought was very bizarre. And I'm wondering what your feelings are here. There's a section towards the beginning of the film where everything's kind of going along, everything seems okay, and then all of a sudden Jeremy Renner starts narrating. <laughs> I I thought of you when that happened. I was like, oh, oh, okay. What's now? What's this all about? I mean, it's no secret that I'm not a fan of narration, but at the same time why like it doesn't make any sense here like all of a sudden it turns into like a documentary but it's not a documentary like he's just like this is louise doing her thing and i'm just like what why why is this this is really bizarre what is happening right now am i remembering this correctly does she is there some narration at the very beginning with her yeah, she does kind of like a voiceover or it's more of a voiceover thing yeah where they kind of go for this you know, she's talking about memories and mm-hmm. she didn't, you know, which that, when that first came on, I was like, oh God, I hope that's not throughout the entire thing, throughout the entire film, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that. But that overall, I was okay with. But just when it got to that Jeremy Renner section, I was just like, what? And then all of a sudden, it just cuts back to the film itself, where we just completely abandoned this point of view with him narrating what we're seeing for no reason, really. It was a bit jarring, yeah. It was just, that. it was such an odd choice. I don't understand it. I don't, I can't comprehend why that happened. I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to have a little bit of a spoiler discussion. So when you're ready to talk about these spoilers, what we'll do is uh, we'll cut it and put it at the end of the show, uh, all the way at the end. So anybody that hasn't seen it yet can, uh, can skip over that part. Uh, before we do that, however, do you have any, any other thoughts before we give it a score it's just it's just it feels like there's something really fantastic here if they would have focused on more of the cerebral aspects of this sci-fi like they sprinkled in a little bit but it didn't seem to take enough of a you know center stage well i think that it got a lot more cerebral at the end when yeah but that was still and i were revealed yeah but I still want to say that that was kind of infused with this like hokiness that I don't think really, at least for me, it didn't work entirely too well. Mm. But I was, I, I do got to say that I was a little bit happy that he, he still kind of got uh, little bits and pieces of the weirdness in there. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that the heptopod designs themselves were kind of uh, reminiscent of Enemy. Yeah, and when that one shows up in an unexpected place, mm-hmm. just like freaked me the fuck out. Yeah, that that was definitely had shades of enemy in it for sure. Uh, I wanted to while you were talking about Bradford Young, and I think he did a fantastic job with this movie too. Did you know he's doing the new Star Wars movie? Oh, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, not not Rogue One. He's doing Episode Eight, the Ryan Johnson directed one. 
I know. How amazing is that? Yeah. So I should. I like. I really want to just start a Bradford Young fan page. Go for it. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> could probably, just, you could probably do something on Letterbox, maybe. He's just. He's incredible. He might be one of my favorite working cinematographers. Definitely American. I would give him that. Definitely yeah, he's, American. He's up there. He's up there for me too. I mean, he's he's one of the few cinematographers that is that you know by name. You know, like we know a lot of cinematographers, but. I, th- I feel like Bradford Young is a name that even kind of um, more yeah, casual that moviegoers yeah. will recognize and, and know. I would hope so. I would hope so. That's my life goal. Yeah, and if if not, he's definitely getting there. Man, him doing Star Wars. That's good. I know. It's going to be interesting to see how he, how he does that with, you know, shit ton of CGI. Well... With Star Wars, they the new ones at least they're trying to rein rein it back. I mean, they're going back to practical effects as much as possible. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Plus, also with him doing, you know, he always does movies where it's just kind of like a visual, and, you know. And it, I could be wrong, but I don't know if he's really done in like an action movie. Mm, I don't know. So that could be. That'll be good to see. I mean, uh, he certainly hasn't done any really big kind of mainstream. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, like comic book type movies uh, that I'm aware of. While we're at it, we can just pull it up here and quickly look. Uh, no, I'm not seeing any kind of major. I think Arrival is probably his biggest one to date as far as (laughs) effects and stuff. Yeah, just wasn't a ton of action sequences. No, No. there was like one kind of, kind of. There was one explosion a little bit. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, he did a most violent year, and uh, there wasn't, hey, yeah, there's really no action in that, I mean, a little bit. There's some uh, carjackings. Yeah, it's really subdued action. You know what? I am totally cool with a Star Wars movie that has subdued action. That would be, that would be something else, honestly. Um, I am totally cool with that. All right, uh, before we talk spoilers, let's go ahead and give Arrival a score. I'm going to throw out a 7.5 on this one. Okay, I'm gonna go like a. Man, this is tough. I'm gonna say like a six. All right. It's just you know, like when you get to the end and you look back, like yeah, I was captivated throughout, but what when it got to where it needed to go, and then you kind of look back at everything, it was like ah, oh, it's a bit of a letdown. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate thing is that I don't have a lot of negative criticisms with this movie, but. It's just it's one that that had very little lasting power for me. I, I enjoyed it while it was while I was in the theater watching it, and then I came out, and it just slowly you know faded from my memory pretty pretty quickly. So it it, it had very little lasting power for me. Yeah. Um, but that isn't to say that it's not a good movie and that you sh- that you shouldn't go see it. I I liked it quite a bit. I didn't There's notice some... any Radiohead in this. Did you? Did, were, were there any Radiohead songs? I don't think so. Was there supposed to be Radiohead? Doesn't doesn't he typically uh, like to put Radiohead? Oh yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, I don't think he did any. I, I didn't notice any. I don't know. I think he did do some Max Richter. I'm pretty sure. Where where does this land as far as uh, Villeneuve's <clears throat> uh, filmography for you? Uh, I'm trying to think what this would be. Sicario, yeah. Insundi, Prisoners. I liked it. I liked Enemy. it more than Sicario. I'll give it that. And again, I'm always kind. Yeah, but I mean, then again, like. I'm such a, I love sci-fi that I'm, you know, I'm a little more lenient if it's a sci-fi movie. I'm a mm-hmm. little more forgiving because you usually always have, you know, some sort of fresh idea or, you know, fresh visuals. Right. Yeah. So out of, you know, that's 
it's up there. I'd say Enemy might be my favorite out of them. Incendies was pretty good. I'd say it'd be between those two, Enemy and Incendies. And I think it, I feel it's better than Sicario and Polytechnique. I'd say it's around Prisoners. Okay. So prisoners mid level. midpoint, midpoint. Maybe a little bit worse than Prisoners. All right. It's funny though because in my in my opinion, all his movies are good. So it's like it's like ranking Wes Anderson movies or something. Well, it, I mean, even still, with I mean, I have a lot of problems. I have a lot of issues with the ride. But even still, like I said, I I'm appreciative that it's out there. You know, if I'm looking at you know big budget films, yes, more of this compared to you know Pirates of the Caribbean nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yes, I will always take this. Over the other shit, the other dreck. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Because at least you're attempting something. You know what I mean? You're actually going out there and trying something. And you might fail, yes, but, you know, I it, I, I think of it much like figure skating, where, you know, you have people go out and they do these, like, really intricate routines, which scores them higher, even though they fall and they might stumble, but they still score higher than the other people that don't mm-hmm. try fucking anything. It's like, at least you tried something. That if you nailed it, it would be like, holy shit, that was amazing. Dude, Instead like of quadruple LUTs. Yeah, <laughs> like if you try quadruple LUTs, I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't think but if, <laughs> but if you try that and you maybe don't stick the landing 100%, I'm still going to be like, damn, that was fucking good. Because I can't even skate. So that was fucking amazing. Snapped like, your how ankle you... in half, but <laughs> yeah. you kind of like, stuck that landing. Yeah, like, I can't even go out on ice on those things, and you're jumping with them. That's pretty cool. All right. So, that's Arrival, comparing it to the Ice Capades. <laughs> Disney on ice. Yeah. I would like to see an Arrival ice show. Do that. All right. So, again, stay tuned after the regular show for some spoiler discussion. All right. Let's talk about some what we've been watching on the watch list, shall we? Let's do it. Get it. I saw some great stuff this week. Uh-oh, watch out. Yeah, so I started off with Ouija, Origin of Evil. Yeah, so this is the sequel to that piece of shit Ouija movie based on the Milton Bradley board game, if you want to call it a game, board toy. Uh, yes. And so I, so I had zero expectations going into this. So I check it out, and about mm, 25 minutes in, I'm like, holy shit, this movie's awesome. This this is really like legitimately good. Uh, I'm extremely creeped out by this movie, and the the cinematography is outstanding. Now, the only reason that I even bothered with this, now I didn't see the first one, so yeah. I, it looked so bad. I was like, nah, I don't even want to bother. Um, the main reason that I checked this one out is that Mike Flanagan directed it, and he's the guy who did Oculus and he did Hush. You know, yeah. and I wasn't really big on Hush, but uh, I liked some of the concepts in there, and I thought that it looked quite good. Uh, and this movie looks awesome. Cinematography is fantastic. Uh, it takes place in the 60s, so or maybe it's the 70s, 60s or 70s. Uh, so it's got that kind of you know time period going for it, yeah. which I think is like inherently better for a horror movie to take place in the past for some reason. The gr- the grain helps. Yeah, and, and I don't know if this was shot on film or just made to look like it was shot on film, but. There, there is like some some graininess to it, and you even see the um, the like splice marks, mm. uh, you know, in the upper right corner. So I don't know if it actually if they added that digitally or if that actually if they did actually shoot it on film. It looked like it was shot on film. It's it's great looking. Um, but man, I got it right. This was better than The Conjuring Two. 
probably one of the best horror movies to come out this year. So this is this was probably one of the biggest uh, surprises I had yeah. as far as genre films this year. That was, that was one that I was kind of surprised seeing, you know, good reviews for. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's got like an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. And it's absolutely worth a look. If you're waffling between this or The Conjuring 2. Now, I liked The Conjuring 2, but to me, this is better. It's just because it's... It's sort of a possession story, too. So you have the kind of supernatural haunted house thing, but you also have this possession story. And it's creepy as fuck. I mean, it is. there's some really decent scares in this one. Very atmospheric. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, definitely recommend checking out Ouija Origin of Evil. Ouija Origin of Evil. Yeah, I think you should. I think you'll like it. Uh, one that I did not like, Utopia. Oh. I watched Zootopia. I liked some of it. Um... Some of the jokes, some of them jokes worked for me, but the the overall like um, thing they they were going for with the, the predators and it being a part of their biology that they're just predators care for no other part like that whole thing just didn't work for me because it gets really complicated because I don't think they really understood what they were doing. I think <laughs> I mean, like they're I mean, you mean like biologically speaking? I like I no I mean like Disney I don't because you well they said they said a million times that it's about racism i mean that's what it's about yeah but and yes they're the minority but you're essentially saying that yes part of their biology yes to maim right kill (laughs) right and it's just like oh that's not that's not good like you're essentially made like a you're kind of making an argument for racism like don't do like almost a cartoon made for white supremacists like this is not good don't do this. Well, that wasn't really that wasn't their intent. No, so I, I think. <laughs> but at the same time, like I don't know, I just I don't think that they quite realized what they ended up with because they were like, oh, you know, it's a good story. You know, don't judge people. Da, 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 da. And it's like, yeah, but you pointed out that it is part of their biology to maim and kill, and that through some miracle, they were reprogrammed and everyone's living happily ever after. Until they're being forced to maim and kill again. And now everyone's terrified. And it's just, it just, you know, when you kind of thought about it a little bit, it was like, this, I don't think this is good. This is not good. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, if they just, if they just kept it as like, you know, animals living together, like an outbreak happens where people get, you know, the animals get uh, rabies or something, you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is cute. I mean, but also if you think about it, why do they have to be... The predators, right? I mean, even if an animal is an herbivore, it'll still defend itself. It's not like every animal is completely docile and nonviolent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a- an elephant can start some shit. Oh yeah. So an elephant I- killed a ton of people. So I feel like going and this this movie. Um, I learned this from the special features on the Blu-ray. They went through a lot of iterations of this movie before they landed on this plot. So I feel like if they just stuck with kind of a detective story set in this animal world, it would have worked a lot better because that's what I liked about it. I liked the fact that it was sort of this mystery and, you know, there were these two unlikely, this this unlikely team, this bunny and this fox, you know, trying to solve this this mystery. And some of the stuff, you know, like when they go to the DMV and it's all sloths, you know, I thought the sloth jokes were great. Now, there was a joke in there that I'm like, why is that in a you know where we helped a camel? You're pregnant. Like I don't, <laughs> like, I just don't get that. I'm like why is that in here? 
I think that the 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 kids would laugh at the the delivery of that the yeah. the, the slowness of the delivery. But it's still just like eh, I don't know if you want to go full on adult joke there, but okay, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I mean, there was there was part and then that the the only other thing that like irritated me the the Mr. Big where like, we're gonna rip off the Godfather. Yeah, of like, course. Can we was... move past like, other movies from cut the seventies? Yeah, I, I, I think we do need to put a moratorium on the Godfather ripoffs. Cause Godfather the, ripoff, <laughs> Scarface ripoff. Oh, like, God. So many of these things should stop. Just quit it. Yep, I agree. I, I, they should just switch to a different 70s movie. Do like On Golden Pond or something. <laughs> we need to see some more On Golden Pond ripoffs. That would be, that'd be interesting to see. I'll give you that. We need to see more like more Tootsie ripoffs or something. There you go. Let's get creative with our ripoffs, right? So that's Zootopia. Zootopia. That's on Netflix. And watch that with the only reason I watch that is the nephew. Yeah, it's, it's a good kids movie, I think. Yeah, my one nephew, like, he was saying the lines here as they're happening. Like, oh, that's Jesus fun. Christ, you already have this thing memorized? Because he, he kept having st- to. Well, he kept pointing out. He's like, I have it on my tablet. I can watch it anytime I want. I'm like, you have a tablet? <laughs> uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I would watch movies just constantly. We're just re watching, re watching, re watching movies over and over again. I just can't do that now. I just my attention span is so small. Just yeah. Uh, I saw Loving. Ooh. Yeah, the the new Jeff Nichols film based on a true story about Richard and Mildred Loving. They were an interracial couple. Uh, they got married in. They actually they lived in Virginia, but they went up to Washington D.C. They got married in 1958, and it was illegal to be an interracial couple in Virginia during this time. And they got arrested, and they were released with the they were released on uh, probation with the agreement that they leave the state and never come back, or um, they leave the state and don't come back for twenty five years. So uh, Mildred at this time was pregnant, and they decide that she really wants to come back to have her child in in her hometown. And it turns out that. Um, her husband Richard, her his mom is a midwife, so they sneak back to have the baby. They get caught, and fortunately, uh, the judge allows them one more chance to leave and not come back. But word tra- word starts to spread. She, she actually writes a letter to Bobby Kennedy, and that letter makes its way to the ACLU, who look at the case and decide to take it on and take their case all the way up to the Supreme Court. So this is a really kind of historic uh, court case. Yeah. And the movie itself, it's, it's, it's decent. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't love it, but because it, it feels very, uh, very biopic-y. Mm-hmm. Got those trappings in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because it's Jeff Nichols, he, he handles it in a really interesting way. I was thinking about what if someone else handled this movie what if steven spielberg or you know some one of these other big time hollywood directors kind of handled this movie and they would probably focus on the court case right they would focus on the issues happening in in the court and how this would affect our country and effectively change the constitution Um, but what jeff nichols does is he keeps it focused on uh, Ruth Nega and Joel Edgerton's characters of Richard and Mildred Loving. So the focus is completely on them the whole time, which is great. I mean, making, I don't know if that was a choice to do that, but it, whoever made that choice is fantastic because 
it 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 made it such a more human story and it yeah. and it and it made it feel you know you had this greater connection to them and a deeper respect for what they did because they really put themselves on the line for this they could have just stayed out of virginia and lived their lives and have been happy yeah but they saw this as an opportunity to to really make change in the country and and you know uh just the greatest respect for them ever um joel edgerton and ruth nega were pretty great in it especially ruth nega joel edgerton's character was very stoic and soft-spoken so he he didn't have a whole lot to work with but when when it was necessary you know he really brought the emotion which unfortunately wasn't a lot but i think that that was just due to the character michael shannon michael shannon's in it of course he plays a uh, life magazine photographer and there's some really famous there was a really famous article that was written about the couple that ended up in life magazine some really kind of iconic photos he played the uh, photographer that took those photos um, and Nick Kroll plays their attorney for the ACLU, which was certainly an inter- interesting role for Nick Kroll. He he was still kind of a goofball in it, even though this movie is very very much a drama. But you know he did it. He did a pretty solid job too. So I would recommend it. It's not my favorite Jeff Nichols movie. I mean, it's not even my favorite Jeff Nichols movie that came out this year. But it's it's still quite good, and I think that it is. One of these movies that, uh, especially what's happening now in our country, where it seems like people think it's okay to be racist all of a sudden, that we need to take a step back and look at what was happening, you know, just a few short decades ago and try to remember, like, this, we don't want this. This is not a good idea. So I think that it's a good time for this movie to come out. And I would definitely recommend uh, seeing it again. Loving. It's in theaters now. Okay. Uh, I I uh, I finished Under the Shadow. Mm. That, uh, that horror movie. That horror movie there. Um, this was uh, it's another one of those films, kind of like Arrival, where I was pretty captivated throughout, but then at the completion of it, looking back through, being a little underwhelmed. You know. Guys. You know, it's it's funny. I kind of feel the same way. Um, but with this, with Under the Shadow, it stuck with me a lot. A lot more than Arrival did. With Under the Shadow, it it, it definitely kind of lingered with me longer. Just me thinking about how this movie was structured and the kind of dread that was constantly building. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's going to be, you know, because it, it's a slow. I mean, you're right. It is. Slow. I mean, it is a slow burn. Um, really was... resulting only with like three instances of. I guess scares. I, I think the scariest thing that happens, and this is in the trailer, is at the beginning when the when the bomb hits, when when the bomb goes into their building. Yeah, like that. that, and that the, that's like one of the scariest moments. Well, that and toothpaste, because mm. you have toothpaste. Yeah, which I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before, so that kind of freaked me out. I didn't know that was a possibility. Mm. I didn't know, so, you know, someone's imagination conjured that shit up. <laughs> Why? Why did you do that? Who's thinking of toothpaste? Don't do that. It's awful. Freaked me out. I, I mean, I and it, again, I don't know if that's one of those things where it's you know that slow burn. Is it gonna? Is this gonna be one of those films where I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, that was that was all right. That was pretty decent. But you know, as time, you know, as I'm further out removed from it, you know, I grow to appreciate it more and more, which I could see happening because it, it is. I mean, it's a good film. Don't get me wrong. I just, I, you know, I felt let down. But like I told you, I think that this is the type of movie that you 
it it's best to go into it not thinking that it's a horror movie. Go into it thinking that it's a drama about yeah. war and with, with little horror elements. Yeah, just little little gitches. Yeah, because they do get you. The one there was one jump scare freaking fucking crazy. Yeah, me too. I I think that's because I was on edge the whole time. And then the, well, this, that, well that that and because there's just there wasn't really much happening and you're just you kind of get lulled into this just like oh, okay they're just kind of trying to make it just living in their house and then holy shit yeah yeah uh that's under the shadow i, I would recommend checking that out it's uh, not just yet i would de- i would definitely recommend i would give it that i would yeah. give it that i would recommend even though i was a little bit underwhelmed i would recommend cool i saw manchester by the sea what so, yeah this is oh, uh, that's right Directed by Kenneth Lonergan. Uh, wow. Wow. Okay, so Manchester by the Sea. This will probably be one of my top, one of my top five, maybe even like top three at this point. Uh, it's it, it's pretty much everything everybody says it is. It's completely devastating. Uh, but the other thing about it is that it's very funny. Uh, and that's that's not something I was really prepared for. Was the level of humor in this movie? If you're not familiar, it's uh, it stars Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams. Uh, Kyle Chandler's in there, and then basically it's about uh, uh, Casey Affleck plays this guy who needs to go to his his hometown, go back to his hometown of Manchester in order to take care of his nephew after his brother passes away. And it is it's a film about grief, and there's different levels of grief in this, and when you think that you're getting a gut punch in this movie, there's like two more gut punches that happen. I mean, it is, it's like, I dare you to not get teary eyed in this movie. Cause it is, it's pretty intense, mm. but that being, and, and I think one of the main reasons why is that it's, it's very Frank and it's very, it's very realistic in how they handle um, all the various aspects of loss and grief in this movie. Um, and the, 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 the again I, i'll just reiterate that the level of comedy in it is it's unexpected but it also feels very fitting like it fits in there's just just these small details and it it almost seems inappropriate at times when when these comedic beats occur but it's like without them this movie wouldn't just make you want to go kill yourself afterwards because it's just it's so heavy um but Amazing performances across the board. Casey Affleck is going to win Oscars for this. Michelle Williams probably going to be nominated. I mean, this is this is like a best picture contender right here. I would mm. not be surprised if this won because it's it's so good, so good. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Just it's a very powerful film though. So it's I mean, if you saw Margaret, you saw Margaret. It's you you have to understand that it is not a clean movie it's not a movie that is like your typical you know three-act structure and it comes to a nice conclusion it's it's messy but it's intentionally messy much like margaret was yeah so you know if you had major problems yeah margaret was good i mean if if you had problems with margaret you know this is you know this is one of these kind of just slice of life type movies um looks fantastic too uh i I love movies that take place in new england specifically new england in the winter time and uh so the 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 location of this is is great also kyle chandler is 
I, I, I don't know if there's a better dad character than Kyle Chandler. <laughs> I mean, he, seriously, he, he does. He does have the dad market. He is. Him. He is just the perfect dad. I mean, he's not in this a lot, uh, but when he when he is, it's just so yeah. Manchester by the Sea. It's playing in New York and L.A. right now. And starting next week, it's expanding to select cities. So you're going to okay. see a slow roll out of this one. But if it hits your town, highly recommend it because it is one of the best movies of the year. Um, here's a movie that I watched mostly just because I was like, whatever, I don't have anything else. And that's Whit Stillman's uh, Love and Friendship, which if you don't know, this is a Jane Austen movie. I watched... Uh, I'll be honest with you, I watched about 10 minutes of this one, and I was like, nope. And, okay, so this one's really, it's tough. It's tough to try and explain this. I was unbelievably impressed with this movie. Um, it's not anything that I like, really, or enjoy, or want to experience again, but it's it's unbelievably impressive. The writing is unbelievable. The production design is just, I mean, it's something else, really. Uh, Kate Beckinsale's performance I thought was pretty fantastic, especially her, you know, her uh, line delivery and just her, the agility that she shows the the screenplay that's and uh, Tom Bennett gives this really bizarre comedic performance that doesn't really seem to it seems like it's from another movie it seems way too modern for what's happening here but somehow it works for me and it was really just a welcome sight because everything else is so awesome mm. I'm just like please stop. I wanted to give this one a shot because the with Jane Stillman and it was, just, it was a comedy. So I was like, oh, I'm check it out, you know. And I think I got to the point where they were, I remember people arriving at a house, getting out of a car, going in, and then there were conversations happening inside. And I was like, nah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where obviously for you, I would not recommend. I don't know if I would recommend this to anyone outside of people that are already going to watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just this is so not. It's honestly, it's the opposite of everything that I want in a movie. I just I don't want this, but at the same time, I can't deny the fact that it's a well-made. Movie. I think I feel like I mean, you say that about a lot of these period pieces. I, I think I do. I think in I, fact you love period pieces. I think I'm impressed, and I think this is just comes down to an ignorance on my part that I'm just impressed that you're able to like capture that. And I just, like, I get caught up in, like, the, the, the logistics of it. Like, where are you getting these costumes? How do the roads look like old-timey? How do the buildings look bad? How do you not get a Mini Cooper caught in the back background of this film? Lots of like, CG how, these days. How do, how do you do this? You know, I think, you know, where are you getting all these powdered wigs from? Who are making these powdered wigs? Are there powdered wig companies still, yeah, in, are, still in business? Is there a guy or a girl that's just, like... The powdered wig dealer? Yeah. Like, hey, if you're working on a period piece, I know this powdered wig girl. She is, she does fantastic. Gotta hit her up. She'll get you like 20 powdered wigs for like bucks. You know, that type of, how much does a powdered wig cost rental wise? I think I get cut off in that kind of stuff where I'm just like, how do you do this? Because mm. if you came to me and you're like, let's make a period piece. Me and you, Kevin, let's do it. Our first film. Let's make a film. Let's do a period piece. I don't, I don't, where would you start? How do you do this? I don't know. Lots of research, I would imagine. <laughs> and the funny thing is, it's probably like really simple. I'm just, I'm just baffled by it because I'm, you know, a 33 year old that lives in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll try it again at some point. Probably the not. Writing, the I mean, writing. It's, it's not, it's not that I 
hate these movies or think that they're bad or anything like that. It's just really not my cup of tea. Yeah, like, that isn't it was. To, I mean, that isn't to say that there aren't period pieces that appeal to me. I think that, yeah. you know, there, there's some certainly that I'm it's definitely like, more interested in. It's much like having the flu, like when you were a little kid and you had medicine for it and you had to hold your nose and kind of force it down your throat. It's kind of like that. <laughs> it's it like ma- you got to like force yourself to be in the mood for it. Yeah, but it, it makes you feel better yeah, in the end. Yeah, it, it does It does its job. All right. Um, I force fed a movie this week called Therapy. This is a found footage horror movie. Stop you right there. <sighs> this was on, this was a, you, you need. You need like some sort of therapy or something. I feel like I need to get deprogrammed. I need to get a, a cult deprogrammer or something. <laughs> I I feel like I'm become I'm such a narcissist when it comes to these these th- these uh, found footage movies. Yeah. Uh. So the reason I watched this one, uh, this was a Shutter exclusive, and I'm a big supporter of that streaming service. And now that I think this is, I don't know if this, it's not the first exclusive they've had, but it's one of the first exclusive movies uh, that they've had on their on their service. So I was kind of, you know, I wanted to support that. And also I read that this was uh, directed by a 17-year-old. Okay. 17-year-old French dude. So I was like, oh, okay, well, let's, uh, let's give it a look, see what's, see what's going on. And it's your bog standard found footage movie. Uh, it's... Mostly found footage. It's like seventy-five percent found footage, twenty-five percent uh, just regular police procedural type stuff where the cops are trying to piece together. Like the cops are getting this footage of these murders, and they're trying to piece together who the killer is and whatnot. And there's this kind of silly twist, and it's just I'll say this: some of the some of the cinematography looks good. It looks pretty. It's got this really low quality look to it that actually works in its favor. Uh, because it makes some of the violent things that happen look more real. Um, but overall, it was very standard, very generic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, maybe in France, this is something unique. Maybe they don't get as, as many of these found footage movies over there. But over here, it's just like, okay, this is just another one. It falls yeah. for all the same tropes, all the same pitfalls that, that bother me with found footage. So, yeah, can't recommend therapy, unfortunately. Just because it's a 17-year-old person that's, that's directing this, this is his second movie, too. Um, I, that, it's like that's not enough at this point because there's, there's young people directing you know, some really great movies. This, this is just not it. It isn't to say that he doesn't show talent and that I'm sure he, he has a bright career ahead of him, but this feels like a student film. Mm, mm, mm. That's it for me. Sorry. I was, like, waiting. Sorry, I, I did, and then I kind of realized what you were waiting for. Like, oh yeah, that's right. Sorry. Uh, the only other one that I saw was Officer Down. This is one that came out on VOD this weekend. Uh, it's directed by Sean Crahan. Uh, if you don't know that name, he is in the band Slipknot. Okay. Yeah, he's in Slipknot. So. <laughs> to an interesting start here. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that before I watched this, or maybe I did and just forgot. Either way, this is kind of one of these ultra-violent throwback 80s style. I mean, it's a throwback 80s style movie, but it doesn't specifically take place in the 80s, and it's just, oh my god, is this awful. This is one of the worst movies I've seen this year. It's very, very bad. Kim Coates, who I like a lot. I like Kim Coates and pretty much everything he's in. 
He's in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he plays this cop who gets killed. They so they, they it takes place in L.A. and they send him out on these really dangerous busts, and he inevitably will get killed. And they have this method of bringing him back from the dead. So he goes out, busts up a bunch of bad guys, gets killed, gets reanimated, does it all okay. over again. Kind of a cool, kind of a cool premise. Uh, but the movie's just all over the place. The 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 bad the villains, the main bad guys in this are utterly ridiculous. So much of this movie is just laughable. It's almost like I would I would maybe compare it to um, uh, was that Kung Fury? Mm. It's like yeah. sort of on that level. And I think that with this movie, it's just like I'm done. I'm done with the whole kind of. 80s action movie nostalgia kick. I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it right. You know. Yeah. It's and, I, and, and again, right and again, I don't really know if that's what they were going for with this. I mean, there there weren't any like telltale signs. It's not like they were playing 80s music or having laser grids everywhere or old technology. You know, none none of that. None of the hallmarks of those. But it just had this kind of uh, grindhouse feel to it. And. Yeah. It did not work. The movie was so dark that half the time I couldn't tell what was going on. And then they would they would accent it with these like neon lights, and it just looked so bad. The lighting was so poor. And he fights mm-hmm. a bunch of nuns that uh that are like gun running nuns. Like we haven't seen that before. The whole nun thing, and it's just ugh. just position. They're yeah. nuns, but they're doing stuff. Oh man. The only, the, the only thing that I'll say is that there was some, some decent kind of gore effects in it, practical gore effects, but other than that, pretty garbage. So I can't, can't recommend Officer Down. All right, let's talk about some predictions. Arrival, these are from two weeks ago. All you right. said 86, I said 85, actual 93. Wow. Yeah, people were loving that one. Do you think that's going to be up for some Oscars? <laughs> Could be. Could be, but... Honestly, it's been a fairly weak year hasn't it yeah i guess i could see it and unless they do like one slot that well, Oscar game, yeah they kind of usually do it yeah we're gonna get hit, we're gonna get hit hard starting now we're gonna start getting hit hard with the uh awards contenders we're gonna get like a la la land that's i'm sure gonna be nominated for some stuff and uh there's some other ones in there too uh all right billy lynn's long halftime walk <laughs> You said 62, I said 76, actual 41. It was 110 frames per second. When we talked about this, I said that Ang Lee was, was screening this in, at a higher frame rate. And I wasn't sure. Sh- it's it, much higher than 48, which was the, you know, that was the, the Hobbit yeah. movies were in 48. 110 frames per second. <laughs> It, it, it would look basically the movie probably looks like you're watching a tv show with the uh motion thing on on the tv yeah. the motion that's setting. it and see there's the, almost a part of me that's like, like i want to see that i know like, i, I don't want to see the whole movie i just want to see like five minutes i know i know i was checking to see if there were any trailers that i could find but none of them are in 110 yeah, so you'd probably be, have to go see the actual, and I'm I'm also betting that not all of the screenings are in 110. I'm betting oh, yeah, that they yeah. that they lowered it. Oh. At any rate, I'm sure the whole damn thing looks like it's in fast forward and it's probably horrible. Uh, shut in. You said 42. I said 38. Actual zero. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yep. I don't think that's the first zero this year either. I think we had another zero a couple weeks ago. I can't remember what it was. Zero. Yep. Uh, next week, we have Allied. 
Mm-hmm. For for some reason, I have no desire to see this whatsoever. This is the one with Brad Pitt, Marion yeah. Cotillard, war movie. War. What are you thinking on Allied? Thinking like I'll say sixty eight on Allied, and then we have Bad Santa two. I be I think it's going to be an absolute train wreck. I'll say eighteen. I'm gonna say go twenty. And we have Lion. This is the one with uh, Nicole Kidman and dev patel this movie this is the first time here i saw a tra- yeah i saw a trailer for the first time for this one uh, very very up. recently so we got a google search bar on the front there that tells me the movie is t- yeah it's about uh it's about a guy who was separated from his parents at a very early age and was adopted and then he he sort of like i guess repressed the memories and then as an, an adult something happens where he suddenly remembers so it's about him going in search of his family mm, I see. yeah it, i mean it doesn't look very good uh, i saw the trailer ahead of manchester by the sea yesterday uh what are you thinking on lion uh i'm gonna say 40 uh i'll say 42 probably didn't have to predict that because i doubt it's getting any kind of wide release whatever next week on vod uh this is for november 22nd we have search engines okay uh, i'm not sure okay. what that's about hopefully no, yeah i'm mean, not interested don't think twice which is the mike Rabiglia one that's uh been touring over the last couple months okay. i would I, w- I would say check that one out it's a, it's a fun one all right and let's see one comes out on the 24th called love is all you need Okay. Question mark. Oh. Yeah. Because they're like, is it? Love is all you need? Or do you need more? Or do you need something else? Do you need something else other than love? Do you need like one other thing? Two other things? Three things? How many other things do you need? This and so many more questions will be answered in Love is All You Need. <laughs> then on Friday the 25th, we have Evolution. I mean, I'm interested in that one. Yeah, same here. I've been waiting for that one a while. Uh, Tank 432. No, thank you. Sounds like World War II. Uh, nah, it's something else. I can't. It's like uh, it's uh, Ben Wheatley, executive produced it. It's this kind of trippy thriller. Looks yeah. somewhat interesting. I don't know. I might check it out. And Magnus, which is a documentary about the uh, chess prodigy. Okay. Got quoted in the trailer for that, by the way. Watch out. Yeah. Nice. All right, that's it for VOD. Let's look at Blu-ray next week. We have, for November 22nd, we have I Drink Your Blood getting a Blu-ray release. Fantastic. That's a good title. Kubo and the Two Strings, the the Leica one that I missed that I plan on seeing. Yeah, I want to see that one too. Hell or High Water, To Live and Die in L.A., which is a uh, Blu-ray release of the 1985 film. Uh Lionsgate is releasing two new titles on their Vestron series, which I'm a pretty big fan of. They're releasing Return of the Living Dead 3 from 1993, which is probably the second best in that series, and Chud 2, Bud the Chud from 1989. Bud the Chud. The regular Chud, the first Chud, is getting a release on Arrow. Arrow's putting that out next week. So you can okay. check that out. Mechanic Resurrection is coming out, which is garbage. Skip that one. War Dogs, which doesn't look great, but I might nice. might give it a boredom watch. Old boredom. Uh, IT starring Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> which looks pretty bad. Okay. Uh, getting release. Yoga Hosers. Mm-mm. Yeah, okay. I'm not 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 gonna give that one my time. Uh, Silicon Cowboys. It's a documentary about compact computers. I think. And that's pretty much it. 
rough. Yeah, it's a holiday. It's a bit rough, Holi- a bit rough to sit through. We have that Hands of Stone movie comes out. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the, I would pick up Return of the Living Dead 3 and Chud 2 because those Vestron releases are really cool. And unfortunately, they're really expensive and they're all <sighs> limited editions. They only, they only do like 3,000 of them or something. And they're like thirty-five. They're like thirty-five or forty bucks on on Amazon. But they're they're really cool. So it's you know, almost say they're worth picking up. And it, and for those of you that like to collect everything in a series, this is one that just started not too long ago. So if you get in on it early, you can you know, grab them grab them up. Because you know what they started doing with a lot of these is numbering them. You know they took a cue oh, from yeah. Criterion and started numbering them, like Draft House does it, and I think Arrow oh, yeah, does it too. Yeah. It's like. There's that whole if you if you turn it into a sure thing. Oh yeah, yep. You're so, buying immediately. Yeah, Cinelicious does it. I think Scream Factory does it. Speaking of Criterion's, are there any next week? We have two. Uh-oh. Uh oh. We have One Eyed Jack from 1961, directed by Marlon Brando, starring Marlon Brando. Apparently, this is a western like no other. Yeah. So, I mean, a western. Eh, maybe at some point in time, I'll check that out. And the uh, and uh, the Squid and the Whale. From oh. 2005, getting the old, get the old criteria treatment. That's not your, sure why. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm, I bet you're excited about that one. Not sure why, because that movie's fucking terrible. I I don't agree with that, but they love they love the Bombach. They do love the bomb. All, I mean, all other his people, stuff. There's other filmmakers that live in New York. Just a heads up, because other fucking people besides mm. no Bombach. Did they release uh, Grand Budapest Hotel on Criterion? Did that come out? Did it? Maybe. I was just curious because I don't remember that one coming out, and up until that point, I was pretty sure like Wes Anderson was definitely oh, no. one of their boys. No. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering if they're gonna be releasing that one at some point. Maybe. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that that is gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FilmPulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week. Let's talk about some spoilers for Arrival. Now, what was your take, or, or your thoughts, rather, on the the twist? Did you did you like that? Or maybe it wasn't a twist. It was more of a revelation. Yeah. The, the reasoning behind the heptopods for being here. Did you did you like it? Did you think that it was that it lived up to the build up? It was. You know, when it first, you know, I first kind of made that realization. It was like, oh shit, okay. All right, and then everything kind of like fell apart from there, where and you know I don't know if I'm just being nitpicky at certain aspects, but there's things where you know like they do the apparently they their written language is coffee stains. Yeah. And oh yeah, they have you know within a short amount of time they have like a whole database. Well, yeah, program that can piece together. And it's like I was like, damn, that's fucking insane. And then they do you know the 
the, the news coverage stuff, and they're like, alien crisis, day 25. And I'm like, damn, you're 25 days in this shit, and you have a database? <laughs> I had a little bit of an issue with the, the custom iOS app they made <laughs> that that makes these these long sentences out of these fragments. Because I, I was like, there's just no way that they would figure all of yeah. that out in that amount of time. Now, it is. It, I, I think that it would be easier to learn their language because it seems to be based in like words rather than letters you know what i mean because like they figured out that like oh this one little curly q means the word world or whatever yeah now now how they figure that out i don't i don't really know which which, and again that was that was that was a small nitpick because that was one thing that i was like I can kind of forgive that. I was like, able, you, yeah, you know, you I got was to, able you to get over that pretty, pretty easily. We don't need this movie to be five and a half hours long. Like, that's fine. You speed that yeah, up. Don't, and you got to figure it out. You made an app. No of this. Yeah, cool. Whatever. But then there's also the fact where she, where they kind of break contact. And then she goes, she gets lifted up. And she's in, like, the vapor atmosphere or whatever with the heptopod. Where... All of a sudden, she doesn't need the fucking app anymore. She just understands the language, and we got subtitles for the shit. And I'm just like, what the fuck? When did that happen? When did she get so fucking advanced at this language that she doesn't need her tablet anymore? I think at that point, there was some sort of telepathic connection there. Because... But, it, and, but then that makes you wonder, like, why didn't you just why do didn't the they just telepathy do shit? For... <laughs> why did you waste so much time? Fuck. Just go telepathy right off well, the bat. But, but I guess, you know what, I guess, I don't know if it would be telepathic or not, but that's when she figured out their language. Like, from that point on, she knew their language because the whole kind of gift that they gave us was the fact that once you know their language, you can remember your, you can see your whole life. Like, you can remember your whole life from beginning to end. Yeah. Which was also interesting when they get to the gift portion of the thing. I'm thinking, like, you could just give that kid earlier. But see, from what I understood was that you only got that gift when you figured out their language. Because it seemed like, because she, she was the only one that knew. She was but the she only, didn't. She didn't. And this is another thing that gets me irritated about this movie, is she didn't. You know, Renner makes the, the revelation that, okay, we have one twelfth, the puzzle. And there's 12 landing sites, so there's 12, you know, 11 other ones that we had to get together and put them together and it's a puzzle. Da, 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 that whole thing. So, and they do get that. From her knowing the Chinese guy's general wife's dying words or whatever, with them. that was too. But that oh, was kind of cool. So they get they get the puzzles from everyone else. So that means that all these other countries—Serbia, Sudan, everyone else—did just as much work to get to the point that Amy Adams got to. That they learned the language enough to get the piece from the heptopods. Is that so they were just is that so what they happened? were so they were just as successful as Amy Adams because Amy Adams is the one that calls the Chinese guy. And he backs down. He's like, okay, we're going to share with everyone. And then they share all the pieces together. And that's how she ends up writing her book or whatever. And then, of course, her being the American gets all the credit for everything. But it seemed like he didn't really know as much as her because he was just like, I don't really know. No, because like, remember, he... remember he got he got actually got around the same time, maybe if not before, that the translation was... Now, their translation was a little bit off because they were like, use weapon. Right. Instead of theirs, like, offer weapon. So they were just on just about the same timeline as America. But America right. comes out being the ones that are like, we saved the day, we figured everything out, even though Sudan, Serbia, and everyone else did enough work to get the other piece of the puzzle. But Amy Adams had that 
she had the missing piece of knowing because it seemed like she had all of that knowledge like she she knew the whole history because she knew their language and now knew the, what the future held so yeah. she was able to go talk to the chinese guys so i feel like she was the the first one that knew everything and was able to help the other countries piece it all together i mean at least that's what i got out of it yeah it, it, it is a little but they still got the they still had the pieces to hand over so they had to do they had to be successful. Well, the, well this is this is what I'm confused about. Is what what are the pieces? Do all do all twelve pieces make up their language, and that is what? Yeah, because I think that to... when he did the when that one heptapod was like, oh, there's gonna be an explosion. Here's all of our knowledge. It was like one twelfth of all their knowledge. Oh, okay. And then all the sites got it all together, and they you know figure out everything. But how? But how do you know that it was the other? That the other countries got as far as Amy Adams did because they got that piece, they got that full unloading of the knowledge from that spaceship. Because when Renner did the analysis of it and he was trying to find, you know, the the space in between all the info, he was like, "Oh, it comes out the point zero eight three 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 three, which you put that in a fraction, it's one twelfth, and that's how they decided that we have one twelfth of the knowledge." Right. Right, we had one one twelfth of the knowledge, but it, but did the other countries figure that out and unlock that knowledge? Yeah, because they're the ones talked China down, and then the other countries ended up handing it over to you know we start we worked in unison with all of our put and then we put all the puzzle pieces together. The what we had our twelve pieces. All right, right, and, and this is after Amy Adams. Uh, yeah, uh, which that doesn't make sense if you if you want to go into a as a parable where we you know we need to work together and it's to collaborate and everything but yes the key to unlock that is something that we can't fucking do which is to go into future and know the dying words of a chinese general dying wife you know you can't do that so like it doesn't work as a parable well she, she we can because she unlocks she's the first one to unlock that information so she remembers going in there even though it hasn't happened yet yeah yeah i'm just saying like for well, I mean, at this point, word. we're dealing in time paradoxes. Yeah. So it's, but in, in it terms very of muddy. transitioning that parable to the real world where me and you live. Right. Yes. I like, see like it doesn't work. Like, you can't do that. So, like, so the, I guess, so, yeah. I guess yeah. the takeaway is we're never going to work. So out. the moral of the story is we're, we're going to be screwed unless we can somehow remember into the future. Yeah. And kind of put ourselves in someone else's shoes by being in the future with them when they tell us about what happened to them. I did I did like how the way that it's set up is that we believe that Amy Adams is remembering her daughter from the yeah. past. Yeah, which I thought that was I thought was well played. Because it, it fundamentally changes her character. The whole the whole time we're watching the movie, all the way up until the end when they reveal that, we believe that she is is someone who had this great loss happen and that it, you know, it seemed to destroy her marriage and she lost a child and that's why she kind of acts the way she does. And and then when we realize that this is something that hasn't even happened yet, to, to me at least, I went back and I just, I thought about her character as a whole and it just, it completely changes her. Yeah. And I thought that that was a really kind of interesting thing. Uh, but it also, it also points out that Jeremy Renner Dick. oh yeah because like she's like oh I, I i now realize why my husband left me and it's like 
if you know Louise and Ian go through this experience in Zealand, and then later on down the road you have a kid, and Amy Adams tells you why she went through with it, like you're gonna get upset and leave. Jesus. Well, maybe maybe it was. Well, we don't. I don't know if they did. They reveal if she told because I don't think she tells him. Well, they didn't go into that in the movie. No, because she tells she tells her daughter. She's like, I told I told your dad something. Yeah, so which is which is I guess because she even pointed out she was like, you know, if you knew your entire life would change anything, and he was like, oh, you guys have to just say what I feel more of, which I guess is how he felt at the moment where he's like, fuck this, I'm leaving, I'm out. Just like, damn, Ian. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it is. A, it, knowing your entire life uh, is kind of an interesting concept. It's an interesting prospect. Makes me think about, you know, would you would you do anything? Could you? Could you even do anything? Because they haven't even really got into that. Oh yeah, you know, if it's if it's open up that can of yeah, yeah. the free will and stuff. Yeah, because if it's a memory, then it's obviously something that that happens because it it exists as a memory, even though it's in the future. So could you change it even if you wanted to, or or do you not have any kind of free will? And this is kind of this is fate. Hmm. But yeah, and then you get to the end. Now. It's just really rough. Me, Renard, want to make a baby? <laughs> I want to put a baby in you. <laughs> You want to make a baby? I wish he said that. <laughs> what was the other thing he said? God damn it. There's something else right before that. that oh, where he's like, I'm always looking up at the stars, and I wasn't surprised by seeing them. And I'm just like, what the fuck? What am I watching? Like, <laughs> what happened? They just <laughs> like, love each other. Like, what happened? Why did he get so hokey all of a sudden? That, like, that had to be. That had to be. Like, Stu- studio studio intervention. That had to be. Because it's, like, completely out of nowhere. It's like, this doesn't makes sense with yeah. everything else i've seen so far yeah part of me wonders if that is an alternate ending all right that's arrival it's in theaters now check it out